the song Here is the Blackest Lily. Welcome everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host Rob Elba, it's great having you all here. You know what we do, we have guests on and uh, they pick a record that they love that got them high and we talk about it and we talk about some other things. So I'm going to just jump right in. I have two, I mean if you are, if you are into the, uh, the, if you know anything about the New York uh, punk scene and if you're an older person. You know the uh, Comatines. You remember the Comatines, and I have um, Ramona Jan and Nicholas Demling of the uh, New York City synth punk pioneers, the Comatines, who recently, go figure, um, there's a 12 inch vinyl reissue of their 1979 single, Danger Zone, that's available as I speak right now on uh, Left 4 Dead's records, right? Is that it? Left 4 Dead <laughs> records? That's correct, Left 4 Dead. Yep, Left 4 Dead, and it's available. You can go to Left 4 Dead Records.com and get You're it. You're making it so damn hard. You could have been so darn good. You're taking a dog on a I like the way I wish you should. Uh, it's not the way that you were And it's just the way you are It's not the things you did Oh, I just got flooded in It's crazy, right? Because this is literally from 1979 And they just released a uh, reissue of it uh, Yeah, so uh, I want to welcome this show I'm on a jam Welcome to the show Thank folks. you for having us Yeah, so the, the first thing I want to ask you just getting the uh, the twelve inch and, and hearing it, and it's backed with a song called Elizabeth's Lover, which was re- recorded at the same time in '79, but wasn't actually released uh, by the Comatines, right? That's it was right. never released ever by anybody. Oh, okay, it's okay. Not, it's the very first hearing for anybody. Yeah, and it's great. But but one thing I was sort of uh, just sort of blown away by was how great it sounds. It just sounds really good. And I was wondering, was there a lot of uh, mastering, uh, remastering done to it or anything um, for the release? Project something for a second. When I was in Disney and the Romalars, we did release it as an independent single. So 
so you know, I don't know if that counts. Maybe with Nick, that doesn't count. Maybe Nick, maybe he, he didn't even well, know to that. to me, that's the, it's the definitive recording what's out now. It's definitive. That's right. It's definitive. Yes. Um, so was there mastering? Well, Nick was a mastering engineer. So I guess that question has to go to him. Well, the thing is, Rob, is that that was recorded in the very top recording studio of its time, Media Sound Studios. It's a gigantic studio in New York City. Both Ramona and I worked there at the time. So we had the advantage of a gigantic, beautiful recording studio in an abandoned church. And we had a top engineer who, who made that record for us gratis. And uh, we couldn't have had a better situation to record anything. Uh, it was it was beautifully recorded, and then and then it was remastered, and uh, yeah, it couldn't sound better. I know it sound it sounds so good, and and you know I, I, some things of that time, it's just they're still great. Maybe they're great, but they just you know maybe wouldn't sound so good just because they weren't they didn't have this uh, studio that you guys just happened to be able to use just because you you both work there, right? Right. Yeah. It, it, the recording the recording engineer on this was Harvey J Goldberg. Who is now the um, who's now the head audio engineer of the Steve of the uh, late night show with Stephen Colbert? Oh wow, he's a top yeah. guy. And um, you know, I started working at Media Sound in 1975, and um, I was an audio engineer. So by the time '79 rolled around, I had worked with the greatest producers. Ron Dante was one of them who produced all the Barry Manlow records. So I really knew how to make a record in the most like uh, practical sense of things, you know, we, I don't know, did we use a click track? Probably not. We probably we did not. We, we just, we had a good yeah. drummer who was very yeah. solid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we just, I just knew how to layer it, you know? Right. And, um, and, and Nick too. So uh, it, that was, uh, we were, yeah, that was part of our profession. So. Yeah, and that's uh so that was un- unusual. I mean, it's still even now it's kind yeah. of unusual, but back then to you be uh to be into engineering and all that sound engineering, you must have that must have been really unusual for a female. Well, for me, definitely because uh there were no women engineers really to speak of. Right, in the right. Talk right. about a macho profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So that's great. And uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Ramona, I I read, is it true that the that the song, the Ramon song, Ramona was written about you? Um, although I think they took a lot of artistic license because I, I really never wanted to go over their house or phone. Oh them right, right. <laughs> like they said, and I didn't work for the KGB. Right, them. but she worked. <laughs> she worked on that record. She she was. Uh, Oh, an engineer okay. on that record. So it makes yeah. sense. So they so, did have contact with it. Yeah, yeah. mainly the, your uh, name probably uh, was great to make a probably song. Probably my name, just, yeah. Yeah, and they just went off uh, from there. Yeah. And, in those, and in those days, she was sweet and she was little, too. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are the two things. I don't know if I was that sweet, but I guess so. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so are you? So, do you two? I know. I know you've done. You you both have done all different things since since uh, you know since then, nineteen seventy nine. But have you gotten together to do things since then before, or is this like the first time you you you're uh, like uh, getting together to do something involving the uh, comatines? Yeah, this record is bringing us together with uh, a lot of opportunities and ideas. Yeah, that's great. Go ahead, what what did you want to say? Well, I just, I wanted to say, we haven't worked together since 1981. And uh, this is the first thing we're doing together since then. Yeah, that, that's great. That's really cool. The strange thing is we're learning stuff about each other that we never knew back in the day. And uh, we never discussed music, as a matter of fact, back in the day. We, we, we just did it without discussing it. We didn't discuss our influences. We right. didn't discuss anything. All right. Well, that's good because that uh, that's a good segue into what. Uh, well, first of all, I want to ask. Uh, originally, I was was going to do this with Ramona Jan, and she was she picked a record. So, what is the what is the record that you picked that got you high that you wanted to talk about? I picked uh, Karina Bailey Ray, The Sea. Yes. Now, all right. So, my first question is, Nick, are you are you familiar with this, or were you familiar with this record at all, or are you no, a fan at never, all? Never heard of it. Okay, yeah, me, same, me, same with me. <laughs> but, There's a reason for that, and I'll explain it. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I got to say, I have, you know, I've been listening to it this week, obviously, and just like right from the start, I'm like, of course, which happens all the time. People bring records, and I never heard of it, and I go, oh my god, this is. Great! This is magnificent. However, I never heard about this because she is she's really great, uh, and and this uh, album is really special because just first I just I always like to just listen to it first without you know reading anything about it and just listen to it and get into it and say wow it's great. But then when I read about it and how it came about and and uh, you know uh, in the writing of it and everything, it just made it you know it, it just made it all hit even deeper. So how did you uh, come across this uh, initially? Uh, how did I come across it, or why did I pick it? Well, uh, were you a, a fan of her? Because this was her second release. She had an album. She she was kind of um, she did have a a hit record. Um, that record that came out in two thousand six. Her uh, debut record had that song uh, "Put Your Records On," which was a pretty big song, and she was on Saturday Night Live. So a lot of people would probably know her from that. This, but then after that, she uh, kind of took a hiatus, and her husband, sadly, her husband who played sax in a band, passed away. And this this album was done in her second album was uh, 2010, so it was kind of a long stretch. But uh, did you already know about her before this? Well, I had heard that song "Put Your Record On," and I just thought it was a, a, a great crafted song. And uh, so I started to look into her, and then my daughter bought me this album for for my birthday one year so i you know nick knows this i don't i don't buy records or listen to music i'm a fan of nobody oh, sorry no, really <laughs> <laughs> i'm a fan of the coma teens <laughs> oh okay wow okay yeah and um yeah because i have music in me and i'm a songwriter and music is always floating around so anything that uh i hear outside of me 
it can, can it kind of conflicts and gives me a, a headache. I was ah, telling okay. this morning. So um, yeah, I had no influences when I came to the band Comatines. I mean, I had heard records on the radio, but I grew up in a very uh, strict religious family, and we were not allowed to play music. I had to kind of. I don't know. I think on Friday nights I was allowed to play music for a couple of hours. I used to buy albums off of cereal boxes from me, and they were all um, the uh, black artists. And, uh, you know, so they had no pictures of the bands back then because, you know, they were black. So they didn't put the pictures of the bands on. Right. But my mother used to whisper to my father, she likes the colored, you know, oh. music. <laughs> And, um, you know, and I heard that and I was like, what, what does that mean? Colorful music? Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so anyway, uh, I, I got this record for my daughter. And can I tell you why I chose it? Yeah. Let's, I'm, okay. I'm Should we segue it. into that? Yeah, let's do it. To me, it has every single thing that an album should have. Albums to me should be journeys. They should not be just a bunch of songs that are strung together. It should be more like a storybook. Now, I didn't know when I first listened to it that her husband had died of a heroin or a drug overdose. And um, she was, but I picked it up from the whole album. And it is, it's such a journey. It really draws you in an album when you put it on, you put it on the first cut, and then it goes through the first side, and then you have to turn it over or you can't live for the rest of the day. And you need to to, to, to hear it throughout, you know, and then you're right. good. And that's what this does. And then it has more than that. She's um, a, a tremendous vocalist. And what I, I don't mean she's a big belter or anything right, like Ella right, right. Carroll. She has a recitative voice and she's totally untrained. So in that sense, she's in the category of, say, like um, Joni Mitchell, who was also untrained right. and therefore doing unusual things with music in the sense that she's not following a form, especially on this album. It's not like verse, chorus, bridge. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's not at all like that. And that's part of the journey. And other groups that do that would be like Pink Floyd. Van Morrison, right, uh, right, right, to a certain extent, David Bowie with the Ziggy Stardust, Tommy with the Who. They're different genres, but they are all albums that you have to listen to the whole thing. You don't skip to rock and roll suicide, uh, you know, right. on on Bowie's album. You you listen to the whole thing because it's a story that you read over and over again. Right. And then the other thing that I really like about it is that her musicians are extremely tasteful. And that's really hard to capture song by song. And not only tasteful, but it's recorded very well. So there's just everything in this this album that I think an album should be. Right. So your daughter, how old is, is uh, she? She's 29. Oh, okay. So she kind of knew, I, I guess she she knows you, so she probably she probably loved this and she knew, oh, my mom's going to love this record, right? Well, no, she knew that I liked that song. Uh, oh, oh okay, okay. I was asking about it. Who right. is that, you know? And so she said, she knew who it was, but she's a really good gift giver. Right. She listens and, and notates, you know, oh, oh, okay, okay. That, you know, so I'll get her a, an album. Right, right. You know? I just like... 
I'd just like to say that this, the narrative quality of albums is something that was kind of destroyed when CDs came out because you played a side of a record and then there was, it was like the intermission in a play. You play the side of a record and then you'd get up and you turn the record over and it brought you through the rest of the story. And uh, CDs didn't have that ritual. It was just one big block of, of music without the little ritual of, of right. thinking for a moment what you would just listen to and going over and turning the record over and, and looking at the songs on, on the other side. And, you know, all that stuff I thought was important. And we lost that. Oh, yeah. CDs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and yeah, that's that's totally in listening to this uh, record. That's what I got. It's a journey. It's like very uh, it's sad, but it's also not it, it, it isn't just sad. It isn't just about grief. It's about uh, love and it's very hopeful sounding. And I and, and when I'm listening to this, my I, you guys have no way of knowing this, but my mom passed away just like three weeks ago. So it was. Oh, listening, I'm sorry. Yeah. But listening to a record that was that has so much of that in there and about, you know, uh, grief and moving on. It's just like moving. It was just so moving. And then, you know, dig. Obviously, I, I uh, dig into it more and read her lyrics. And, and yeah, she's just really great. How uh, talented. Right. What a oh. Now, you know, look, look her up on YouTube and look at her playing, you know, singing live. And she's I think she's from England. Yeah. From Leeds. You know, yeah. You know, you'll see her with her band and and she's just everything live that she is on record. That's another thing. She's just a really precise um, singer. That's another thing that I really like is when singers can hit the pitches and the rhythms really precisely uh without sounding too studied right 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 yeah well that's it because you could tell the they she has excellent uh, her and, and the musicians they're all excellent but uh, yeah it's like you said they're uh, tasteful too it's all very tasteful it's not yes, overdone yes. Uh, definitely yes. not oversung but i guess this was sort of a different her first record she did uh she had uh did with a, a producer and it, and it was her songs but it was a lot of uh layering and you know layering the studio but this it was more like a band like everyone playing together and more of a, a band record and i think that kind of shows in it in that uh, a lot of the songs sort of uh, take their time and, you know, and, uh, and move through. And there's some, there, yeah, it's like you said, there's not a genre. I mean, it's like soul, R&B at times, at times pop, but you really, it, it's not, this is the kind of things I love because it's just someone young just making this music. Like you said, probably the fact that she's not, uh, she was, unstudied that 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 like brings uh, so much more to it because she's just bringing anything you know anything that comes up in her head for these songs she puts it in there and it's just like really plus she has abrupt comatine style endings oh okay (laughs) (laughs) on that album on every song right 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 because that's when you're (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> right. So do you ever now? So you say and, and I understand I've heard other people say that uh, other artists that that make music and they just they're just not interested in listening to other things. Not uh, not that they're not interested, but they don't need that other noise in their head, like getting in the way of what they're trying to do. Think of it, you know, influence. But uh, when you hear something like this, do you ever think uh, maybe I should uh, check out more things, listen to more music once in a while? <laughs> uh, no, what I did was I. I learned how to sing um, The Blackest Lily. Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, it was a challenge for me. And I wanted to sort of get inside her 
how she approaches music. Right, right, right. Done that with different artists where I try to just sing along exactly as they do it. And um, so, so uh, no, so I don't, so I don't think I should listen to more music because there's music in my head all the time. So I just... (laughs) can't I can't <laughs> that's fair that's fine that's fair all right but let's listen to let's start listening to this now now nick i'm wondering did you when you heard or did you even know that this is the album that she picked to talk about and it, no i'm, I'm learning this right to? now oh okay awesome well that's that's kind of cool in a way because we'll have nick will be listening to it me and you know it a little more and nick will hear it for the first time but let's uh the opening track so just to be clear all of these songs aren't about her husband dying she wrote you know some of this record she had already written and some of it she wrote before and after uh, but it's just you know in a way uh, you know how it is with music uh, sometimes uh, once you know about someone's story and what goes on it kind of it, it, it just kind of lives in the entire uh you know piece it, it's hard to take it out of there and i think it's th- that way in this record. It's there, you know, even though every song isn't about, obviously about loss and about your husband dying, it, absolutely not. But uh, it's sort of that uh, that uh, bittersweetness sort of hangs over the whole album, I feel like. I'm sure it can't help but do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's listen. All right. Listen to the opening track. She had said she wrote this. She she said she wrote this uh, particular one to deal with the grief uh, following the death of her husband, Jason Ray. So uh, let's listen to the opening track. Are you here? Is it real life? Why? Is investors kind? Wait to see the So, Nick, what do you think, Nick? I would have to hear a lot more of that <laughs> of her to, to feel what it, what it, you know. I, can, I know, I, we're just hearing, it's hard. I'm, I'm only going to be playing clips of the songs, and you really got to sit I can and hear, live it. You know what I can hear in that? I can hear Lou Reed for some reason. Oh, uh, I, all right. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a feeling for her yet. Okay. <laughs> that's all right that's fine Ramona um were you because yeah there is a very uh especially uh, you know uh, the whole album isn't like one thing obviously and that's another great thing about it because you don't want to who wants to listen to an album that everything sounds the same and it's definitely not this at all but uh there is a, a spark especially in this one it's a very sparseness going on it's just her simple guitar at the beginning and then the 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 drums are are, are dry and it's and it's all very sparse but it just make she has this way of singing where it's uh she sings very lightly and delicately but it makes you pay attention you know to everything that she's singing i wanted to comment on that that's called recitative vocal oh okay and um i also have that i i inside of me 
I'm, you know, a big black gospel singer, but I, it doesn't <laughs> out that way. Right. And I really always want to be like a Broadway belter, you know, and I sang for a long time with two, two belters, Lisa Lowell and Susie Tyrell, who were just got off tour with Bruce Springsteen and, and they were the belters. And I just wanted to be that, but I'm not, I'm a recitative singer. And what I like about her voice, what she does with it, is she stays very whispery. And then when she takes it up just a notch, it sounds like she's belting. And um, Helen Reddy did the same thing in that song, uh, I Am Woman. She was a recitative singer, and she just takes it up the notch at the end, and you think she's really belting, but she's not. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's great. That's a, that's a great observation. Um yeah, so the uh, the second song on it, I Do It All Again, it was the single. It was the first single off the album. And she said, this is like, oh, this is a, a, a gut-wrenching. She had said that she wrote it in 2008 after an argument she'd had with her husband uh, two months before he passed away. So, I mean, you, you read things like that, and it's just like, oh, Jesus, that's heavy. But uh, let's listen to a little bit of I Do It All Again. Oh, you searching for something I I think I was hearing right there what you were talking about because it sounds in yeah. that in that one part it sounds like almost like she's belting it but then when you pay attention I don't think she's belting anything in the record on the entire record really at all. No, she's not a, she can't. She's right. not a belter. Yeah. And also the other thing is it's a very you have to have a lot of vocal control to sing that quietly. Oh right. So that's really you know that really impresses me. <laughs> you yeah. do you have to have a lot of vocal control. Right, right. All right, so uh, this song uh, feels like the first time I was. I was happy to see that it was that it was not a cover of the uh, Foreigner song of the same name because <laughs> I thought that would have been strange. That would have uh, been bad. <laughs> <laughs> but let's we could talk about. It. Let's do a little bit of feels like the first time.
so nice. And yeah, so there you get you get three songs in a row, and they're all different. They're all different from each other. This song just has a really cool vibe with that piano thing and everything. It's just it's just a really cool vibe for me. And I, and now I want to point out a couple more things about her vocal. There's a little bit of Billy Holiday in there. Oh, okay. And also, um, one thing I really like, uh, you know, in a vocalist, is somebody where you is somebody who doesn't really pronounce the words very articulately. So they're using their voice as an instrument, like Van Morrison would is, right. does that. So their their voice is an instrument, like uh, Amy Winehouse, love her vocals. Um, so she falls into that category also, but they can't be completely uh, a vocalist who you don't understand anything. It's in other words, it's just a fine line for right, me. Right, right, right. <laughs> and she does it, you know? Yes. Now, are you a person that pay, are you paying attention to the lyrics or are you just sort of letting them, I mean, are, are you the, uh, are you someone that's going to seek them out and look up and see exactly what the lyrics are or do you just sort of let them be part of the song, like you said? like. like... Oh, lyrics are very important to me. And one of the things that I'm very scared is if I like an artist, like when I liked her and I didn't understand every word, that one, if her lyrics on paper were were not good. Oh, okay. I would have been <laughs> upset about it. And right. Probably wouldn't have listened to the record anymore. Yes. All I right. think lyrics need to make sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's say unlike a Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. Okay. Or you just sing anything. Or in some Bowie songs are like later Bowie is like that. Right. You know? Right. And and yeah, and and sometimes it's just I you know, sometimes it's just if it sounds good, it sounds so good that it's okay if it doesn't. But um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I feel like they're very like she doesn't. She's very light with her lyrics. She's not. She's not. Um, you know, hitting the the nail right on the head when she's singing about something. But I feel like this one, you know, uh, this one in particular, I feel like she's singing about uh, you know, her her her, her grief and in, in in losing someone, but also in rediscovering uh, uh, music and and uh, that she loves music. And I feel like that's what's going on in this song uh-huh. in particular now did you the uh, the next one the uh, blackest lily that's the one you said you were uh you were um playing around with singing it like her but yeah. did, did you read anything about the backstory of the song itself why it's called that i don't remember remind me okay so she worked with drummer Questlove uh for for this one and uh james uh and uh, keyboardist james poiser of the uh, roots on this song and i guess Questlove has this uh night called a black lily and it's basically just a night uh that he runs uh, that he would have on sunday nights at his house and he would hire a uh a chef and then he would have people would come over and they would just jam and it was like people in their scene and they would have uh jill scott and erica abadu and different people and they would just hang out and it was called uh, black lily so she liked she she liked that she liked the idea that there was this community of people but then she was wondering is she part of a scene like that or is she just kind of sort of more on her own so that's why she was the blackest lily is sort of of like singing like that like maybe she's you know and also the lyric indicate the lyric indicates that um you know she's really in love with this guy and nothing can tear her away not the blackest lily right 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 and not the blackest pony yeah i love that yeah 
Because <laughs> all girls <laughs> want a pony, and they'll choose pony over boy anytime. Oh, okay, <laughs> like, really? Okay, I didn't know that. Basically, say yeah, of course. All, <laughs> we all want a horse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And aside from all that, this song really rocks too. I feel like this song, this song. Oh yeah, I love it. It's That's great. another thing. Yeah, she gets into rocking out. She, she rocks she out. She does. All right, let's listen to a little bit yeah. of the Blackest Lily. I didn't know what the day was I didn't know what the time it was I didn't know what my heart would do I was afraid of nothing when you called Me on the telephone I was a creature of appetites And we played a game Don't you love the way the drummer turns that around? Yes. Oh, my God. It's just so subtle and so tasteful. It is. It's great. And there's nothing There's nothing like the sound of people. You could You could hear that these people all playing together and then play a band yeah. playing together. There's, there's nothing like that. I'm just curious if Nick has now uh, a different impression. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. All right, so... <laughs> I, I like I like that track and and it gave me the same kind of feeling that that Macy Gray's first album gave me. Oh, okay. That kind of soulful, you know, with, with organ and all that stuff. I really I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick, I was going to ask you, are you surprised at all that this is an uh, that this album is one that um, Ramona picked as one that got her higher? I'm surprised that she picked any album. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's a good point. Now, <laughs> how about you? Nick? I, I mean, uh, it's a big surprise to me that she would. You know, I, I would. I was thinking, what the hell is she going to do on this podcast? Uh, oh, right, because <laughs> you knew that uh, she's not a big. Uh... Now, how about you, Nick? Right. Are, are you someone that listens that uh, buys? Oh no, records? I've listened to millions and millions oh, of okay. things, and I'm on the opposite end of it. I don't think I could pick one album. Right, right. To, yeah, uh... some people, yeah, do have a hard time with that. <laughs> Yeah. Rob, um, one thing I was told was to look at your podcast and to make sure I wouldn't pick an album that was already picked. Yes. I didn't even look. I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah, no, any no. album that I pick. No one knows about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because some people, they'll pick something and they'll go, ah, it's, it's, it's probably already taken. But yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, I didn't have to look at all. I just said, okay, I'll just think about my top five and pick one of those. Exactly. Um, no, it's great, though. And uh, here's another uh, another great song. Track number five. Let's do a little bit of Closer. I don't want to give you up. I don't want to hold you up I don't want ambiguous I just know that I've had enough I want you to travel with me Let it loose and let your mind go free Show you things 
Yeah, so in a way, I feel like this one's kind of a throwback, like classic R&B love song uh-huh. type song. Yes, 70s. Right, right, right. Yeah, who, who, who's it kind of reminding me of? Oh, there were a lot of uh, those songs in the 70s. Uh, it's the bass line. Yes, yeah, right, 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 right. The Bob Babbitt bass line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great, and it's just so, you know, it's like not overtly sexual, but uh, but that's in there, too, you know, it's kind of in there. Yeah. (laughs) Mick is is the bass player, so, you know, don't you think that's reminiscent of Bob Babbitt? Kind of very simple. Definitely. Solid, very low notes, but the least amount possible. Bob Babbitt was an absolutely tremendous bass player, absolutely tremendous. Right. But what I think about this vocalist is that it seems to me like this is music that can maybe only be made in the studio because she doesn't sound like she would have a voice that that could project live. You know, she's she's almost singing to herself. Oh no! But no, look up some she, live she videos of totally, her. <laughs> unbelievable live, yeah, and she's she exactly is. like this, and hits every pitch perfectly. I'll, I'll go look. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah, she's really something. And she's young and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just say that too? She's got it all. She does. Yeah, she has it all. I wonder. I'm thinking that she probably writes the song. I don't think she plays an instrument. So I think she probably writes the song and sings it to some one of her main guys, maybe the guitarist, and then they come to the group with it. Oh, no, but she is a guitar player because she does also. Oh, she, does? Okay. she does. So she does. In some songs, she actually said she started just uh, her playing guitar and then just sort of built it up from there. But yeah, no, she is. She's the whole package. But I'll bet. I would. I. I bet you she's not a, as good of a guitar player as she is a singer. Well, because yeah. <laughs> that often happens when you're a really good singer, y- you don't have to play an instrument. That's like optional. Like right, you're you're, no. uh, you're, yeah. you're running ahead with the vocal, and you don't want to be held back by learning. You know, yeah. so you learn the rudimentary whatever. Yeah. I remember when Madonna tried to play guitar live on stage. Oh Jesus! <laughs> kind of a disaster. Right. Well, I always say not everyone can be Prince and that's fine. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we got another. Uh, let's listen to the next song here. It's called uh, Love's On Its Way. Ooh, find love. I wish I had understand Never no Teenage photographs on the evening news. Ooh. 
Oh, she's so that voice. She's so good, and I love how she's she just never ever oversings. I mean, she just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now there's a little bit of Laura Nero, I feel, in her approach to her vocal lines, uh, her choices of intervals. I'm getting a little technical now. Yeah, Laura Nero. I'm not familiar with Laura Nero actually. Oh. Gosh, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't know everything. Very <laughs> under. So, I mean, Laura Nero. How is it that she is so, you know, un, you know, undersung? I oh, mean, okay, really. Oh my God, I almost picked a Laura Nero album. Ah, okay. It was the toss-up between these two. All right, I'm gonna definitely check her out too. Smile. I worked on that record. Uh, listen to Smile. Come on. Okay, I will. I will. All right, so I guess we could say that's kind of your wheelhouse in singers that you really uh, like and gravitate to, though. They have to be soulful, very much soulful. They have to have, like, a natural emotive tone. Although I have to say Nick is one of my favorite singers. Okay, well. (laughs) And I wouldn't say that he's a soul singer. You know, he's like a 60s rock singer. Yes, right. uh, Like a Louis Louis. And, uh, you know, it's a voice... So, so it's not like I have to always have a soul singer. Right, right, uh, right. You know? <laughs> well, that was, that was the song that I was given to sing. Oh, oh. Maybe we need to see, give you some soul music. That. <laughs> well, people, I mean, uh, it's great. People who get the, uh, the single that, uh, that just came out, uh, a danger zone is, uh, sung by, uh, uh, Nick and Elizabeth's Lover is uh, sung by Ramona, so you can get a little taste of both of their voices together. And uh, it's really, I mean, I'm sure at the time it was unusual. You were unusual just because there weren't many bands at that time using uh, synths like you guys were, right? No. Oh. You know, the Comatine started using just a rhythm box. We didn't have a drummer. I Yeah, I had a feeling. there There is a drummer. There's a live drummer on this. But yeah, originally you guys were kind of like suicide. Exactly. This is a story of a rhythm on a rhythm. Eric Coleman. The Bebop Kid. The Bebop Kid. And we actually we actually did shows with suicide and and we we looked around and we said th- we thought well, suicide and uh craft work really were the only people doing that at the right, time right 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 but we were like a toy um, band compared to them i always thought of us <laughs> as like you know there was just something about us we were we were little we were young we were right. we were not at all alan vega <laughs> right right no, well, no suicide guys... was so dark yeah oh, and, and, and and you guys had still had the, like the pop el- element that 60s almost like 60s pop element which was which is really cool and uh different yeah but right not uh, not like suicide well we were playing we were playing things like my girl by the temptations oh okay that was yeah, our very very that was our big cover song oh okay really oh nice <laughs> and we did it as a duet oh nice yeah i want to hear that any recordings of that around i got sunshine Cloudy day, and when it's cold outside, I got the month of May. I guess you 
fact, we recorded an entire album for Axis Kansas City used to have a little record company, and uh, they would record live albums from some of their bands, and we did one of those albums. It was never released, but I have the tape of that. Oh, okay. And nice. it's a good example of what we used to do as a rhythm box band. Is that the one that you've been telling me about, Nick? <laughs> And where you you stylize yes well well there are other recordings there are other recordings uh, of us as a rhythm box band but on this particular live album I I listened to it recently and I was surprised that I'm swearing on the stage and you know I'm saying things like uh, I don't know I'm glad you fucking came here or here's the next fucking song yeah I thought my God well you were younger <laughs> what then, kind you? of stagecraft is that. It was a different time, you know. But it was the it was the times, you know. It was the it was late seventies. It was Max's. It was right. dark. Yeah, yeah. I felt I could swear. Yeah, of course. And I had I had never been in a band before, so I remember that night very clearly because I, I a little bit bit cringed when he would you know use a curse word, uh, <laughs> only because I had such a religious upbringing, and here he is on stage cursing. But then I thought. No, he's a front man. He knows what he's doing. That's what front men do. Right, 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 right. Also, I, I had been I had been in several bands before. This is Ramon, Ramon's first band, but I had been in several bands before that, so I was the big veteran. Oh, okay, in, okay. In the group. That's great. I'm sure uh, you guys must have uh, must have some. I had played stories. CBGBs. I mean, yep, says it all. Yep. No, oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so I would like to call it Beauty. I guess this is kind of interesting. She said she got the title of it from a conversation she had with her late husband's brother, uh, younger brother, after his death. So so she actually credited him. Uh, Philip Ray is his name. She credited him uh, as, as a co-songwriter just because she got the, uh, I would like to call it Beauty, that uh, that from him. And uh, yeah, it's a, really, it's a really pretty song. Let's listen to a little bit of I would like to call it Beauty. So Ramona, this is—I think this is uh, part of what you were talking about. This is not a, a traditional song at all. It's not like verse, chorus, verse, or anything. It's just very uh, freeform and a stream of consciousness. It seems like, and it's just really—it's uh, still really well done, but it's very interesting and very different. And and you can tell it's very authentic. 
She's oh, not yeah. going, oh, I need to, you know, this. I'm sure she annoyed the record company with this record. Ah, <laughs> right. Because it was not put your records on. And, and you know what? You should play that for Nick, put your records on, just so he can hear what her original breakout record was. Oh, yeah. Well, Nick, I would done. imagine Nick, even if he doesn't realize it, he probably heard it. Because that song, I remember that song. And I'll have it in the episode. Maybe. Well, we'll test him. We'll test him. <laughs> okay. There's a quiz at the end of this interview, Nick. <laughs> but I'll bet I have a feeling he may say, "Oh yeah, I remember that song because yeah, it was kind of a big song." Right. But yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I'm sure the record company. But that's you know that's great. That's what you want your artists to do. You want them. You you don't want. Yeah, them to she. Them. You can tell she's really just completely uh, writing from her heart, and that's what I was doing in Comatines because. I was, but my my heart was very much in angst in a right, different right. way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like so, there's a lot more structure in our songs than than this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to be a real songwriter. You know, she just she's. I don't know what she was trying. She's trying to do. <laughs> This next one's really fun, I think. Paris Nights, New York Mornings, because I guess I was reading that she's so she's from the northern English city of Leeds, and she never even uh, until she was nineteen, she never set foot on a plane. So this whole life she had once she became a recording artist and had that it was it was also new to her and exciting, and you kind of get that feeling in this song, and and uh, this one really swings too, which I really like. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of Paris Nights, New York Mornings. It's a really fun song, and and yeah, that's actually that's her playing a guitar. That's her guitar, and she's playing guitar on this one. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that really nice. had a lot of feeling of an early Comptine song. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, well, like I said, it it, 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 it because she swings. plays the guitar like me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you no, know, um, now I want to I want to comment about how in the pocket she is with the um, vocal because. It's it's it reminds me of this group that I produced called Nasty Facts. Are you familiar with them? A song called Drive My Car. I'm not as strong as I look. I'm not as stoned as I seem. I'd rather dance than read a book. I'd rather drive my car than dream. Drive my car. You should look that up. 
that up because the vocalist, who was 17 at the time, uh, a black female who's now a male, uh, a trans male, uh, she, I, I'll never forget this night, she cut the vocals, there were three songs we were doing, with no second takes, with their hands in her pockets, and it's just nice. so rhythmic and in the pocket, and I, I didn't even see her breathing. Right, I right. Mean, she, oh God, what a vocalist That's this gal was. Yeah. Now she's a trans man Delta blues singer. Oh, okay. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how things, I don't know. <laughs> some people die, some people change gender. Yeah, and, and yeah, and keep going, which is awesome. Yeah. That's why it's great. Them, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really great that, that you, uh, that you're both doing this and still and did the release and still because i always say people if you're still if you're still like alive if both if you're people that you played with you know and you're both still around why not you know why not because so many people can't do it can't get that luxury because someone's you know whoever they did something with in the past they're not around anymore so or or with most bands you know uh uh i like to watch uh you know documentaries on different bands and they all comatines went through a lot of the same things the the horrible breakup, the no talking to right, each other, right, right, right. the confusion and all that. Yep. And then what happens is there's a pride or a, a grudge and you don't talk to the person ever again. Yeah, some people and never it, get and, over it. Or you or you have you come together because there's money to be made. Right. So, you know, a lot of money, you know. <laughs> right. Which is sad when you see that, when you see these bands and, and you yeah. know you could tell they're only doing it for the money. Like I wonder about KISS, really. I mean, they they take Paul Stanley up in one of those, uh, you know, they hoist him up above the audience. And I'm thinking, holy hell. I'm like, gee. Yeah. And and he looks from the back. He even looks like an old man. Yes. Back, they're hoisting yeah, yeah. this old man up above the audience. I think it's safe to say, yeah, they're doing it uh, for the money. Yeah, at this you point. know, yeah. re <laughs> recently you, you, you're seeing uh, – the original Talking Heads all together. I know, which is really shocking to me because I know a lot of them couldn't couldn't stand each other for a while. But, they couldn't uh... stand each other, but David Byrne, you know, decided that he wanted to to mend fences with them, and and they got together, and I think it's great. I think it's great too. Yeah, I I really do. But it, but it's rare, you know, it's rare because some people never get over those grudges, you know. Yeah, they got together to promote the movie. They're, I don't know if they're going to be playing together. Right. Above. But at least they can at least they can sit on the same stage. In together. the same stage, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Nick and I fall into that category. Right. Talking category. Yeah, but we, I must I must say that we've been really enjoying each other's company right now. Good. Doing That's this great. record. And when Ramona called me, because she got the offer to do the record first, and when she called me, I, I really jumped at it because I, I really wanted to do it with her. Good. That's great. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad. I'm happy for both of you. All right, so this next one, uh, this is another great, yeah, this, this whole album, there's not one, like you were saying, Ramona, there, there aren't any skips on this record. You're just going to listen to this whole record through. There's no yeah, skip yeah. songs. Uh, and this is another great song. Let's listen to a little bit of a Paper Dolls. <laughs>
I love those lines in the chorus when she says, all my life, all my life, she said, it's not right. Nobody told me I could do something. Nobody told me I could be something. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I you know, could tell. It brings, yeah, it brings tears to my eyes every time I hear that. Yeah. And I wonder if, did you read the anything on that? I mean, was that her experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she was, yeah. And and you can imagine, could you imagine anyone telling this girl that, oh, you, that she couldn't do anything? <laughs> I mean, right, but right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. It, 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 it is. You're right. And I have daughters. I have two daughters. And yeah, just uh, just the, the that line and, and, and that that hits really hard, you know, yes. you, you could feel it that, that she's singing yes. it. Yeah. From something and like a lot. That. Pretty much every musician goes through that, you know, uh, where they're like uh, told they are no good. Right, right, right. Certainly, every woman goes through that. Every woman goes. Through I think that. so. Yeah, or, or you, you can't do this. Yeah, I'm sure, Ramona. I, I imagine you've been, uh, you've either been told that, or it's been the thing. Like, what are you doing here in this studio? You know, why you? Who do you think that you, you could do this? But I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I faced bullying and sexual harassment every week that I worked there. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah, we, and there were no words for it back then. Right, right, Nobody right, was right. Saying, oh, you know, that's not allowed. Bullying. There was no, no. You just had to. This is how the world was, and if you wanted to be in it, then that's what you know a, a female had to deal with. Right. Yeah. And I got it. Also, my landlord also sexually harassed me, so I I didn't. It's not like I got to go home right. and, oh, and relax. He would not. It's very weird to me because I, I took Ramona, when I met her at the studio, I took her absolutely at face value. She was an engineer. I never thought anything about it. Not, not didn't even cross my mind. That's great. That it was weird for, and that it was weird to have a female engineer. Right. Never even crossed my mind. I don't get why people even think that. Well, you were raised right, obviously, Nick. Some was... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think so, because you were probably. Well, also, the, other, the whole idea that I have to have the word female in front of Every time I just say I'm an audio engineer. Right, right. Yeah, you know? of course. <laughs> of course. Like it, like, like it makes a difference somehow. <laughs> yep. yep, I get it. All right, so this next one, uh, Diving for Hearts, did you notice it has a very interesting, uh, the backing, the the vo vocal backing, it's like a, a choral effect. And I guess she did that. She she got from a church like this. She wanted like a very traditional British choral sound. And it's it gives it kind of a very haunting quality, I think. Um, listen to it. Let's do a little diving for Till then I wasn't alive. I longed for you like the lovesick moon pulls the tide. So I peeled off my skin. I just slipped right in and I become alive.
I'm an idiot. I realized the clip I brought, I didn't have that. I'm going to play the curled thing that I was talking about a little bit. I'll play it underneath because I realized the okay. clip I had didn't even have it in there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll fix it all in uh, post. It all gets fixed. Okay. Yeah, so the title track, which I guess is really heavy because it, she wrote it about the death of, of her grandfather who was in like some uh, boating accident and her, I guess her uh, her aunt was, was there when it happened and she was standing on the shore. So that's what this is about. And it was written before her husband's death, but she said herself when she uh, when she was recording it and everything you know the heaviness of everything just uh, that that had that had gone on within her life and her family sort of went into the whole song you know and it gives it this very just this very heavy quality and it's a great uh, final uh, track i think yeah let's uh we could talk about it more let's listen to a little bit of the sea i never knew you were standing on the shore and says everything explains everything and then from then on it couldn't be just like before it says everything changes pretty song and the uh bass playing in it is great and it's just everything about it is so good yeah so don't i uh, the lines there where she says uh, so don't you stand there wishing your life would fade away and don't you go around with anyone who makes you feel ashamed yeah i just feel like she's she she puts so much of herself in these songs that she writes and uh, yeah it's really great and uh right at the end i'll play the ending of because the ending's kind of heartbreaking. I feel like no matter how you look at it, when she talks about the sea, the, the, the majestic sea breaks everything, crushes everything, cleans everything, takes everything from me. Um, so yeah, man, this girl went through so much, but it's just so inspiring that she got her, you know, she took a break and she got herself together and then made this uh, album, which is amazing. It's an amazing album. 
And I don't know how old she was. Do you know how old she was when she made this? She's record? young. She's super young. Probably like twenty. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <I> know. <laughs> does that ever get? Be honest, Ramona. Does that sometimes get you annoyed? Because that gets me annoyed when people are really young. Because I'm thinking what I did when I was that age, and it's like, how are these people so? aware so self-aware and so you know talented and everything at such a young age but i don't know everyone's different you, I, you can't I don't compare know yourself. i don't know how self-aware she was but she's deep for sure right 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 right, she right was brave enough to do something along these lines right 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 but at the same time i would say that you know nick and i we were very young in coma teens yes and we we just went for it we didn't ask any questions or, oh, any, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or anything like that right i i would say that self-awareness is probably the least the, the least factor in all of this but, you know the, these these young uh, musicians who make great albums you know they're doing it they're great because they're not self-aware oh okay not i see what you're it. saying i see what you're saying yeah they're you not know, they're, they're just they're just going from the, the the gut and that's it that's a good point yeah that makes sense yeah, so uh, so uh, what do you think, Nick? Getting this little thing, is this something you'd ever listen to again? Would you dive into a little more? I mean, I know I you I would just listen to it again, tasty. yeah. yeah it, it, I'm not it's... sure I would listen to it a lot, but I would definitely, uh, you know, explore it, sure. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I think I've really I've just been uh, just enjoying just going through it. And, you know, uh, like you said, it's something uh, a lot of times you, uh, uh, these albums are just something that are a whole piece and you have to listen to it. Once you start it, you have to listen to the whole thing through, you know, because you feel like you're going on a journey and it's not yeah. the journey's not over till you get to the end of it. And what, uh, what's presented to you. And I actually do recommend the CD over the album because of that little tag that they put on at the end on the CD. Oh, okay, nice. The, the price thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then it, it's a killer ending. Um, well, yeah, this was really fun. And I'm glad. And, and Nick, I'm glad you joined us, even though you didn't. You know, this isn't an album you brought in, but I'm glad we got to talk about. Once again, uh, if anyone's interested in getting this uh Left for Dead Records. It, it like it just came out. It's just available. You could pre-order, but now the uh, twelve-inch vinyl uh, reissue of the uh, nineteen seventy-nine single "Danger Zone" back with Elizabeth's lover. You can go to leftfordeadrecords.com and you could get it. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's it's just it, it's great stuff. And like I said, I just I was blown away by how good. You know, sometimes you hear things that are like forty. You know what? Forty years ago, and it's still. How does it sound so good? But uh, I mean, you know, great is great. And, uh, and not only that, but I think particularly Danger Zone is just so fresh. Yeah, fresh. right, right. Uh, you, that's what I was thinking. It sounds like this could be released. This could have been. You, you could have told yeah. me this is some new band. You know, some band that's trying to sound like a retro thing or something, and I would believe it. Yeah, it does sound very fresh. You know, when we were recording that particular record, I remember thinking, "Well, this is it. This is our chance." Right. You know, this <laughs> got it has to. Go, you know, got it has to be balls to the wall. You know, all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Nick, you delivered on your vocals. I, 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 you know, I, I was thinking about how how the Beatles made their entire first album in one day. You know, and, right? Uh, they they just banged it out, and this is it. You know, yeah. I, you know, because we were working in the studio. I didn't know if we'd ever have a chance to do this again. And, Studio, right, 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 right. Yeah, well, that's great. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm happy for you guys, and I'm happy to uh, 
to get to talk to you and really to get to discover this artist and listen to this record because it's uh, really great. I recommend everyone checking it out. Uh, don't forget, everyone, if you want to follow me, it's uh, on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. On X, it's at TRGMH Podcast. Don't go on X anymore. I really think I'm just about ready to get rid of X altogether. It's, it's horrible. Um, you can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, if you enjoy listening and want to help support, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. Become a patron of the show. Uh, thanks again. It was really fun talking to you both. Thank you, Rob. Yeah. And, and, uh, and hopefully we, uh, we could do this again uh, one time. And uh, good luck with everything in the future and whatever you, uh, you decide to do uh, in the future. It was great having you on. Once again, I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you all next week. We're out of here.